We are continuing in our series on ethics. There is a handout in the back if you'd like. All the information is also going to be on the slides, but if you want something to write on, or some, wave your hand and someone can grab it for you. So we have been in a, we're still in the middle of a series on ethics. And what we mean by that is, how then shall we live? How is an individual Christian to make certain decisions in certain areas of life? What are we allowed to do, not allowed to do? And then how do we approach those activities biblically uh, and in a good faith with a good conscience? And so I'm going to talk about gambling today. Hopefully it's quite appropriate. It's, it's get growing to be more appropriate everywhere, but certainly for those of us who live in Las Vegas. And so I'm not so interested in public policy on gambling, although obviously that's important. I just really want to ask the question, is it okay for a Christian to gamble, to place a bet? Or a certain type of bet. And then what's also applicable to us more than a lot of places is what about our involvement in the gaming industry? If, if, if you are concerned about gambling, how do we avoid it? And I love that word gaming. It just sounds so legitimate instead of gambling. It's gaming. It sounds good. So as we hit in, Scott, would you mind opening us up in prayer? So, I grew up on home where gambling was quite common. It's the simple cards, nickels, dimes, quarters, games, but it was it was very central to any wider family gathering with grandparents, aunts, and uncles. It was always there. My brother and I loved it because whoever won the least hand would give us a roll of quarters. We can go to the movies all day. So we didn't have a lot of family time in a sense, but we liked it as boys because we just were at the arcade all day. So I was very used to it. Uh, as I became a Christian at 18, I, uh, a few years after that, I went on a mission trip to Belarus because I was a Russian minor in college. And uh, we were at the missionaries, and we were going to play a game like spades or hearts, something very simple, not gambling at all. But as soon as those cards came out, the missionaries said, wait a minute, we've got to shut the curtains. It's like, what? <laughs> and so we don't want everybody to think we're gambling. And then I've come to find out there's quite a... It's quite a mentality in some churches about cards and, and the dice and just the very physical elements can be a danger. Um, so, you know, we think we're free from that as Reformed people. Where Gwen and I were in uh, Phoenix one weekend for Easter seeing my family, and we were at a Christian Reformed church. A guy found out we were from Vegas. He said, oh, I have a sister in Reno. But when I drive to see her, I drive around Vegas. As if the very thought of driving through the city... I mean, that's a pretty costly circumvention of Vegas. Like, maybe he just meant the 215 around. I don't know. But, like, the very thought that touching the city would defile you in some way didn't seem like a very reformed thing to me. But, and I'll admit, I, I love the game of poker. I love it. I grew up with it. I've learned more about it. And I'm a math guy. I'm a stats guy. I love stats. And I love show, uh, TV series that show you how to beat the odds and, and beat Vegas. I don't even care if they're legal or not. I'm fascinated on beating it. It's, it's, so it's, it's kind of cool that I get to live in the city and think about that. But uh, any one of us who have walked through a casino, we've, we've, seen, we've seen the real issues, right? No matter where we're going to end up standing today, 
you've seen the lady with the cigarette butt that's out to here just gambling away her welfare checks, like just going at it, just sitting there all day um, going for it. Um, you see people panhandling, and you, you wonder what, what element gambling led them to that place on the street. And so there are some real effects that we want to we want to consider today, and we don't want to close our mind. Now, if you're like me, and you're really hoping as we jump in this, there's some way that Keith can defend gambling for me, that might be a wrong attitude, right? We want to open God's words. We want to we want the Word of God to to, to glare brightly, not only on what might be explicit commands, but our heart motives, and and how we are using our time and our money. Uh, in God's kingdom. So hopefully, be. so I don't know where you stand. Maybe these are some of your possible responses. Should a Christian ever gamble? Maybe it's never, like not, like not even in investments. Uh, maybe stock market. Maybe it really depends on what we're talking. Are nickel dimes quarters okay, but you get starting in the hundreds and two hundreds? Maybe not so much. Um, or a lot of people will say, well, it's okay. It's like any other entertainment, uh, quote, vice, all things in moderation, right? It's okay as long as it, we don't become consumed by it. And then I actually know some professional gamblers. I know Christians who have done professional gambling. Is that a legitimate career as a Christian? Or you could say, as our deacons say, as long as you tithe your winnings, do whatever you want, right? Thank you for last month's uh, offertory that I went out and did some research this last week. Just kidding, just kidding. All right, so what are some types of gambling? When you hear the word gamble, what are you thinking? Just spout them out. Slot machines, biggest one, the biggest money maker in Vegas. It's uh, Baccarat in Macau. Poker. Poker's not gambling, just kidding. Sorry. Dice. What is it? Horse racing, yep. And now, of course, before the age of casinos and places that don't have it, that's still very common, or dog racing, yep. Sports betting, Sports betting. that is huge on, on the rise now. And of course, with the internet, you don't really need to be in Vegas anymore, right? You can bet anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Oh, did they? They have poker rooms at those places, too. I don't know how I know that, but all right. Racetrack. Racetrack Road, oh yeah, I've been on there. Yeah, so I kind of built my list maybe on what's more common out there. Like if we weren't in Vegas, you could pretty much say lottery is everywhere, right? That's a big discussion. Is lottery a good thing? But my family, they were always throwing money at the lottery. And the bigger the prize, the more money they threw out, even though it's my math brain, that means your odds are even worse to win. dog racing, sports betting. Uh, I could have put live poker up there because obviously people in their homes will play poker. Um, what about like just competing on yourself? Darts or pool is a very common thing. Hey, well, let's, let's bet 50 bucks and we'll play a game uh, together. Or it could, it could be chess if you're a nerd like me. You know, it could be anything. Uh, what, my friend and I, when I was young, we would just spend all day betting. And we, of course, we'd keep double or nothing until we broke even, right? But we would bet on, hey, I bet you can't hit that tree with a rock. Hey, let's play a game of chess. Let's do a karate match. Like, we would just spend all day betting, and his dad was really mad at it. I was like, what's the big deal? We're going to break even at the end. Um, and the, the casino types of games that we just mentioned. Now, obviously, we also use the term in things like making a rash decision. 
Maybe you're coming up to a blind corner and you want to pass this slowpoke in front of you. Greg, I know would never do this, but you're, you're going to go, but you don't have a clear line, right? Somebody at any moment might come around that corner. You're taking a gamble, we would say, right? Or you're taking a gamble on life. We talk about that with drugs and alcohol. We, maybe you're taking a gamble on a relationship, right? Uh, or some kind of business adventure. Oh, and so some of the things we will talk about will certainly apply to those types of things, but I want to be careful to to narrow our focus, when I'm asking the question, should a Christian gamble, I'm really talking about those, those top things that we've just thrown out. Well, one definition you could use is what is gambling? It's risking fortune on an event involving chance. We need some kind of working definition and there's always little exceptions. Usually you're risking money, you could be risking your time, right, or some other kind of fortune. And somewhere chance is involved. And specifically we're talking about something where there's a winner and a loser. So we want to be careful that we don't lose our stuff, obviously, or too much of it. And then on the other side, you have to realize when you win, someone else is losing. That's the money you're getting is somebody else's eventually. I know it's through a mediator in a casino or something, but somebody's losing. These odds don't work if someone's not losing and someone's winning. And so that's what we're talking about. And we could get into a lot of this is the stuff that fascinates me. What are pure odds, right? So you're talking lottery. You're one of a million people buying a lottery ticket and there's, there's actual chances of your six numbers whatever coming out. That's a pure odd. It's based in statistics and math. The table games are all based on odds. You think you're making decisions on hitting on 11 or staying on a 16. It's rubbish. <laughs> the best you can do is lose the least amount of money. You can memorize all the strategies you want. You can keep double or nothing your money because you'll always get your money back until that one time you hit the table limit and you're risking $5,000 to get your $5 back. That happens. How do you think the casinos pay for all those chandeliers, right? So the best, you are just playing against odds. Uh, then there are some things that actually involve some skill. Dog and horse racing, if you do your research and study the animal and uh, you know, see how they've been taken care of or look at the conditions they're in, there is some skill. Sp uh, sports betting, same way, right? You can follow a team and well, you just know somebody had an injury or something happened in their life, so now the odds have turned. And live poker, you, know, you yes, there are odds involved, but you can read faces and you hope that the sucker on the other end doesn't know odds as best as, best as you. So there is some skill, but still, at least in the short term, there's still a lot of chance. There's still a lot of variance. Maybe in the long run, the more skilled people win, but there's a lot of variance along the way. And then there's things you might bet on, like sports, right? If you're just a really good you know, darts thrower or whatever, or a good pool shooter, you could probably make some money, people who think they're better than you, right? So we could be talking about all sorts of things. Categories of responsibility, I just noticed my handout's a little out of order. So as we think about this, we wanna think about, okay, how is, okay, me personally, is it okay for me to gamble? What does God say about that? What are the things I need to be concerned with in that decision? But then we also always have to think about those in our immediate circle. Is your husband or wife happy that you're gambling? Or how much you're gambling? Um, how does this affect your relationships? All these types of things. You gotta think about your neighbor who's across from you, right? If you win, you're taking your neighbor's money. Is that a biblical thing to do? And then of course we could talk about the effects on society, right? The strip is so beautiful. You go one or two streets back, man, the city changes. It's very different. The poorest part of Vegas is right behind the strip, right? All right, so we've been looking at this in our uh, previous studies. 
what I've sometimes called biblical and secular. Today I'm just calling biblical and general revelation. So what does the Bible say? So that left column is going to kind of be our outline today. Um, are there explicit or implicit commands in the Bible? Because that, that kind of settles it, if that's true, right? We don't need to get into Christian freedom and all sorts of what-ifs. If we have thou shalt not gamble, it's kind of clear, right, for the most part. We don't, this whole idea of luck and statistics and, and risk-taking, we want to look at in, in light of God's sovereignty and providence. What does the Bible say about labor and stewardship, stewardship of time and money? And of course, as Dave McGuire told us in one of the kickoffs, a lot of times in ethics, you end up at Romans 14. You end up at some kind of idea of Christian liberty. You have freedom. You have liberty to do certain things that the Bible doesn't talk about. So what are the biblical principles that guide us in those decisions? And of course, it doesn't matter how, quote, legitimate something is. We always want to look at your heart motive. You could be a pastor preaching, doing everything the Bible says, and your heart motives can still be an issue, right? So that's what we want to look at today. As we look at that, I'm going to look at that general uh, category. What do we know about addiction? What do the statistics tell us about addiction? We, what does psychology tell us about the whole psychology of addiction? And using that knowledge that we've gained from the world as we pursue loving our neighbor. What is reasonable risk? If we get into that whole discussion of, well, is it okay to take certain risks? Is it okay to invest in the stock market? That's a risk. You, you could, in some definitions, call that gambling. So what is reasonable or what is hasty? What are the actual effects on society? There's always a debate on that. Bring in, bring in gambling and it'll bring in so much tax revenue. And then you say, well, is that a tax on the poor? Because who's really losing their money here? Money and time management, all sorts of things we can learn from the world on that. Not, not from the world in the sense of worldliness, but just things that we have learned as societies and in our studies. And then so, something we have talked about in the past, but proximate culpability. All right, so are there any explicit, implicit commands? I gotta be honest, I assumed I'd find something in the law of Moses that I could just say, man, it's Moses, who cares? I can't even find that. I couldn't find anything um, in my, it's not a very long study I did. I thought something worth casting of lots would go. The closest I thought I could come up to was just that, you know, the soldiers cast lots for Jesus' clothes after he was crucified, thinking, well, that kind of shows that bad people gamble or something. But then casting of lots is actually spoken about in what seems to be a positive light. Uh, Proverbs 18, the lot puts an end to quarrels and decides between powerful contenders. Acts 1, that's how they chose Judas's successor, is by casting lots. Whoa, so does God want us to cast lots? Now, I don't want to, that's a whole Sunday school on if it's right to cast lots or put out a fleece to know God's will for your life. But I did, I couldn't find anything that was, I thought I'd find something that's a little more specific. Is there any verse that someone can think of that's, that's direct, on the nose, with gambling? Because I might have missed it. All right, if you think of it, call it out. So, if we don't have a command, now we are left with some kind of applying biblical principles. Now, for those of you who are like, yes, Keith couldn't say I couldn't gamble. I think a lot of times this is where it actually, you know, you got away with one, I'm going to rope in a lot more, right? If I'm going to leave you a little crack to be able to gamble, I'm also going to come now and say, how do you spend all of your time and all of your money? What restaurants do you choose to go with? So I'm going to rope in a lot more than you ever bargained for. So here we go. All right, let's talk about God's sovereignty, and I'll personify it now, Lady Luck. 
So this is interesting. Proverbs 16.33, the lot is cast into the lap. Think of a lot like a dice, basically. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Now this is really interesting because we believe in a God of order. He, is, he established the natural order. He established math and logic. In fact, your atheist and your agnostic friend completely leans on a Christian worldview because they use logic and they use math, which is not materialistic. So they can't just believe in science and things that you can put under a microscope. They make great assumptions. In fact, all of our, our endeavors in technology and science completely um, rely on predicting future events based on looking at past events, right? So we get to know what's the chances of something happening. As a, as a doctor looks at symptoms and maybe looks at, um, you know, some kind of a print and is trying to make decisions and care for a patient, it's all best guess. It's not a guess. That's the wrong word. Like, it's using the best knowledge, the best likelihood, the best odds based on what we already know. We're applying that. In, in sports, we talk about high percentage shots, right? The chance of shooting 10 feet away versus 20 feet away is a lot higher. So your whole strategy, but you never know if one shot's going to go in or not. You don't know if the doctor's going to read the symptoms correctly this time because this might be an outlier, right? It might not be the majority. And so the best you can do is you rely on the fact that God has created an ordered universe. Well, if you're going to, if, if your idea is to beat the odds, Essentially, you're saying that God's order is not, either God has not ordered things and such, or somehow in this instance, on this bet, God's going to come through, and he's, he's going to decide the role of this dice in your favor. And so in many ways, you're presuming on God, right? God can certainly um, work differently against his order, right? Their miracles are true. He can make something happen that should not happen, quote, right? Is not what you would expect. So it's interesting. We don't believe in a God that just is a deist who set up the world of rules and logic and lets it go and just lets his statistics fly. Proverbs 16 tells us, even though he set that up, even though we ought to expect certain outcomes based on his logic, he is still deciding every cast of that die. Every one of those things is God's decision. He is intimately involved every second of our lives. He is holding things together. He is, he is actively carrying out his statistics that he created up, right? He, he's enforcing them and, and doing them. But to then say, well, because of that, God can intervene at this moment is very presumptuous. And I think you're basically believing in another God. You're either following a God that has not ordered the universe in a certain way. You don't believe his order in statistics. Or you're presuming that He's supposed to act for you in this, you know, in this instance on your behalf. I was at the casino recently, and uh, ladies at the slots, and every time she goes, she does this on the screen. Like, she's putting some karma in it. Like, she really thinks, I mean, that she's trying to be God. She's trying to influence providence, right? She thinks somehow she's doing something with that. <laughs> We're too quick to laugh at her. I guarantee you every one of us are guilty of that. I'm not saying I've ever been there saying, God, Gwenin could never find out that I lost this much money, so you're going to come through for me. Come on, I just need to hit this two-to-one odds. Just break even so I can go home. I've never done that. that, that that's, that's ungodly thinking, right? And to, to presume on God like that. Now, God is not against taking risks. We have some great examples of that. So as the Israelites are about to go into the promised land, 
He says, be courageous and do not fear. They're standing against all odds, right? From a human standpoint, they should not win this battle. But God is commanding them to go. Is it a death sentence? Of course, eventually he shows them the angels and um, there's no real risk with God, is there? God knows the ends from the beginning. There's no such thing as taking risks with God. I don't know how to get to my notes here. Uh, Matthew 25. Oh, so this was, that's the parable of the talents. And so I know the point of the, of the parable is not so much, you know, how to do your money, but the parable doesn't really make sense if, if Jesus isn't bringing in real life stuff. So that's about where, you know, he, he gives a bunch, the master gives a bunch of servants some talents and he comes back and the ones that have invested the money and made more money, he rewards, right? He blesses. The one who says, oh, I was scared you'd, you'd be a harsh taskmaster. I just saved it. I put it in my checking account, right? And I have more. That person is actually condemned. Now, I don't want to go too far and apply this to money management too far, but there's something to that. The very fact that your talents are invested, that's risk. There's risk in that, right? So at some point, God wasn't against risk. Jesus isn't against risk in general, but then we don't want to uh, presume the outcome. James 4. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what your life will bring. What is your life? You're a mist that is here today and gone tomorrow. You can't presume. You could do all the nice financial business acumen you can, go into a town, make a profit, carrying out the creation mandate. I'm doing the right thing. I'm building a business. But you can't presume that it's going to succeed. You could do the right things. You could end up doing the wrong things and still succeed, right? So there's, there's something about being diligent, not being hasty, um, doing the right thing, and yet you can't presume. There's no presumption there. So we, we do want to talk about, well, where, where, is, where is the risk to take? When is it right to take risk? Obviously, if we have an audible command from God to go take a city, that's kind of easy, right? It wasn't easy for them. Probably not as easy as we think it would be. But theologically, say, so, well, God's told me, so therefore, you know, I can take all the risks I want. But what about in your daily life when you're taking certain types of risks? What if you're, a, what if you're poor and, and you believe that you should accept all the children that God gives you? You don't, you're not, you don't believe in contraceptives. Are you being unwise to have children, not knowing where the money's going to come from? Or is that being biblically obedient and knowing that God will care for you? These can be really tough decisions sometimes that we, all, that we all face. All right, godly labor and stewardship. So the, what we call the creation mandate. So Adam and Eve are put in the garden, and God tells Adam, work the garden, cultivate the garden. You can think of the garden as, as the world. We're, we're to labor. Our, our, so much in the scripture is talking about your daily labor, um, going about your business and cultivating this garden, producing, um, making civilizations, uh, making things good for you and your neighbors. And then, of course, the curse that comes after the fall specifically hits that mandate. Now you're going you're gonna to work the land, but it, now it's, now it's going to be hard. By the sweat of your brow, you're going to carry forward. Now, when you produce fruit, you won't just freely enjoy it. Now that the fruit's going to sour. And you're going to work really hard, and it's not going to be a joy anymore. Well, so how do we how do we that carry that into any concept of gambling? And maybe that gives us a sense of a different potential difference between 
what, what I'm calling gambling today in things like investments or business uh, ventures. Well, I think you see that creation mandate carried out even more uh, throughout the scriptures. And Greg, I wish I knew how to get to my notes here. Yeah, I can't read my notes. I have to memorize all these verses. All right. Um, Proverbs 13 and 28, often it talks about hasty labor, hasty gain. All right, Proverbs 13. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So there's a general principle here that we're not going for the big win. We're not going for some quick, quick thing. Labor, uh, fruit from our labor typically comes through very diligent, very steady, very patient labor. That's the way of the world. That's the world that God created. Proverbs 28, whoever works his, his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. So I guess the question is, is gambling a worthless pursuit, right? Or would you call that a search of hasty gain? Or can it be one and some, sometimes and sometimes be the other? In Acts 20, we say, we know that uh, Paul knew he had the right to take, but in that situation, he decided, I decided not to take money from you and be paid as a minister of the gospel. I wanted to work with my own hands as an example to you. Apparently, they needed an example of diligent layer, and he showed that to them. And then we even get to an evangelical side of it, e- Ephesians 4. Let the thief no longer steal, right? Here's someone who's taking from others, taking what they have worked for, And it's not just stopping to take, right? When the gospel invades somebody, it doesn't just cease certain activities. It completely reorients their life. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So why do we labor? We're carrying out the creation mandate. We're cultivating this world. There's a lot of things we could go to from there. We want to not be a a burden to others, right? We, We want to at least be preserve ourselves if we're able, and even more, we want to have to give to those in need. So you need to ask yourself, is your participation in any kind of gambling in line with that? What, are you, what does gambling do in, in ways of cultivating the earth, of, of doing good for your neighbor, for your fellow man? In what way is that ensuring that you don't become a burden to others? And in what way does that, uh, in any sense, carry out the need to give to others in need. I mean, you're literally taking money from other people when you're gambling. So how does that correspond with doing for others who are in need? And again, from that, that general wisdom side, I think some of this gets into that whole idea of reasonable risk. All right. Not touch screen. All right. Christian freedom, Christian liberty. How does Romans 14 apply to gambling? And so, Romans 14, we've gone over this a lot. I don't, I don't need to belabor it, but it basically talks about the strong brother and the weak brother. The, the, the one who feels, senses freedom from the gospel to be able to participate in certain things that those around him or her may not feel. And it, specifically, it had to do with very religious worship type of things from the Old Testament. But we've often applied that beyond there. There's a lot more warnings against the strong brother, the, the brother who feels freedom, than there are against the weak brother in that passage. There are very, very much individual warnings we want to take to heart. And then we want to say, how does this, you are now free to go love your neighbor, right? To go love your brother. This isn't about you. 
It's not for, for, for most. Now, we, wanna, we want to uphold liberty and freedom because that promotes the gospel. We're not in the shackles of the Old Covenant. We're not shackles of some mad-made wisdom of just give me a bunch of do's and don'ts because that kind of mentality takes you off of Jesus, takes you off the gospel. It makes you falsely believe that you can meet some standard and merit yourself before God. So we do want to break that. We want to declare freedom wherever the Bible allows us. And yet that comes with great, great responsibility to watch after yourself. Don't presume you're the strong brother in every situation. There are weak brothers who are lifted up and accepted by their master, it says. These are not unfaithful Christians when we talk about weak brothers. Every one of us have strong and weak dispositions in our life. And we need to be very humble to understand that. And, and hopefully we're in community where people can help us see those blemishes. And of course, love of neighbor. How is your action, how is your enjoying your freedom done in a way that promotes unity in the body, that promotes Jesus to the world, um, and those are not very easy. Some of the verses here, if I, re, if I rewrote them with this. I know I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. The one who gambles, gambles in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. Is that a faithful application? I'll leave that to you. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Each of us will give himself an account of himself to God. That's a serious warning, that we're going to give an account of ourselves before God. This isn't a way of getting away from it. Oh, I'm getting away from that church that closes the curtains. Much more is being asked of us now, of how we live. Clearly gambling is wrong for anyone who thinks it is wrong. Whoever has doubts is condemned if he gambles, because the gambling is not from faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So whatever you think about this subject, if, you, if, the, if your conscious, um, conscience um, touches you at all, you've got to be very sensitive to that. Don't block that out. Well, Keith said it was okay. It was a, an item of liberty. No. You're going to give an account of yourself before God. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Why do you despise your brother? Right? This, this is the kind of subject we could be, man, did you know so-and-so works at the casino? We could really start to tear each other down. If your wife or husband is grieved by your gambling, you're no longer walking in love, applying that maybe to a family situation. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Don't flaunt your liberty. What are, what are you doing? Like, if, if you have freedom, if you feel freedom, good for you. Enjoy it. Give thanks to God. Um, tithe your winnings. I don't know. Don't, that's, not, that's not something to be flaunted. Same thing we could say about drinking, smoking, whatever. And then, I've, again, the things from the general wisdom. Addiction's real. <laughs> there is Gamblers Anonymous. Like, this really hits people who thought it would never hit them before. Don't be such a fool to think you're not open to addiction. Um, and what about the person you're taking money from? Maybe they're an addict. What are, you, are you feeding their addiction? 1 Corinthians 6, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Anything that dominates you. You have a bad attitude if, if your wife asks you not to go tonight and, and do whatever entertainment. Like, don't be dominated by anything. And we could, we could look a lot about giving to others, not taking from need. 
uh, to, from those in need. The Bible says so much about that. I mean, it talks more about selling your possessions and giving to the needy than trying to build up your possessions, right? You've got to be very clear for those of you who feel the freedom to gamble that this makes sense in your Christian worldview and in your actions. Here's another way of asking it. Instead of saying, you know, what can I get away with? Where does the command, where does the commands end so that I can just enjoy all this freedom? Everything you decide. Gambling, how much to spend on money and food and vacations. How much, you, you could ask it this way. How much of it is fulfilling the fruit of the Spirit? Right? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How is your gambling or your use of time and money um, displaying the fruit of the Spirit? So it's kind of asking it in a positive way. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Make the best use of your time. Is gambling a good use of your time? Those are the types of questions to be asking yourself. And those are not easy questions, if you're honest about it. And of course, heart motives. I mean, I could go, I could quote any of these, just, I gave you a laundry list that is clearly not exhaustive. Probably the biggest thing is, what is driving your desire to gamble? Are you after hasty gain? Are you greedy? Are you envious? Are you coveting your neighbor? Do you have a love of money? There are a lot of very serious warnings. I think all of us are guilty at some level of these commands, and we need to take them to heart. Why? Why are we there gambling? We want more money. We want their money. We want, we don't have enough. We're not content with what God has given us. Um, and hopefully you're already seeing that all of this could be said about way more than gambling. We don't even have to mess with a questionable practice of gambling. These are big questions. These are the real questions of ethics, to be honestly, to be honest. How we spend our time and money, that's an ethical question. Much more important than gambling. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires. Man, and then if you get behind and the things you're willing to do to make up for that loss, man, I've seen people lose their homes overnight. It's it can be heartbreaking. Keep your life free from the love of money. Pray, God, do I have a love of money that needs to be broken? I could read just about any of these. So take time to look these up and, and deal with them. Um, sloth, laziness. Proverbs uses the word sloth or laziness 14 times. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider ways and be wise. How long will you lie there? Are you, are you gambling because you're lazy? You won't do real work? You won't do diligent labor? You want that, that quick money? You're not willing to, to work? Work is hard. That's the curse. Welcome to a cursed and fallen world. God has not saved us from that. He's saving us. There are ways that we're saved, but he is, he is not, he's decided not to protect his saints from the curse of the fall, which includes hard work. All right, keep moving on. All right, so here's some very specific questions that we can talk about. I hold the mic. Uh, I got three on here and, and two on the next. So, proximate responsibility. That's the idea that um, the closer you are to something, the more responsibility you have. So, when Lazarus had the poor man at his gate, 
he, he was right there, right? Or the, the, um, the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan. They passed along. They didn't have to even go seek and find this guy that needed help. They were there. They were in a position to help, and they decided not to. We talked about that with, a, with abortion. Um, it's one thing to abort your own child. It's another thing, maybe still wrong, but it's another thing to say, gain the benefits of stem cell research from an aborted fetus, right? You, we, you, we can decide about where the line is, but those are two different levels of responsibility because of how close you are to it, how proximate. I'm more responsible to help the beggar on my doorstep than the one in Africa, I would argue, right? I think the Bible. So that's what I'm getting at. So say you're concerned with gambling yourself. Um, we know our town, right? Other, other cities don't understand this. I went to a movie. I went bowling. They don't realize that's probably in a casino, right? So now you say you have a concern with the gaming industry. Is it right for you to go support and give money to that? What about um, uh, to work in the gaming industry? The eat is, uh, the second one is, is it okay to work in the gaming industry? People in our church have, probably some of you still do, work in a casino. Is that okay? Like how close can you get to this? Or should we be like the guy in Phoenix and just get away from Vegas because, you know, it's Sodom and Gomorrah and we shouldn't go down with it. So any thoughts on these specific questions? Not a chance for your soliloquies. I hope this is on. Check, check, check. Anybody? Have I scared everybody? I'm not good at this. This is probably pretty simplistic, but the um, the difference between gambling and gaming, playing Monopoly with play money is gaming. If it's, if you're playing it with real money, that's gambling. All right. Fair enough. And. Um, and does it God uh, want gifts from uh, a source that didn't cost us anything, that we didn't labor to earn? I mean, it's it's kind of if you t that's like tithing your your winnings, and is that s something that God would honor? It's a good question. Any answers? Stage right. I guess uh, going back to the gaming versus gambling thing, um, one big thing, like every kid this day has a cell phone. Every cell phone has mobile apps. All, almost all of those mobile apps use loot boxes. Um, and that's a, that's a big, I mean, that's going to be a bigger thing. The whole mobile industry just exists because of those loot boxes. And I mean, w they get hooked young. What, what is a loot box? A loot box is you, 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 you know, hit the button, you have three chests that roll, Oh, okay. And you and you get something. Sometimes it's not even using real money. Um, sometimes sometimes it's using the you know the in-game currency stuff. Right, but right. I mean, these are games for y very young kids. And uh, I know some like some of the European nations are trying to regulate all that. You know, not have loot boxes for you know s games aimed at children. But um, yeah, I, that's that's it's going to be a whole. As of many things, a whole new problem. For yeah. the, the new, the, the so it's it, it at least falls in the categories of gaining something without working, right, and earning. Well, yeah, um, and probably again, the god of chance, the yeah. god of luck, that kind of stuff is well, being cultivated. I mean, those. I mean, the mobile, like I said, the mobile industry exists because people are, you know, the whole the whole term of whale is somebody who who dumps thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into this free 
mobile app. Right. Um, so th I mean, there's there's a reason I don't have any mobile apps on my phone. Same thing. I can't I I can't do it. I got to stay away from that. Am I? Uh, I I guess I would be the weaker brother. Yeah, you know your own weakness. Case, but uh, yeah, it's just one of those new new problems. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's interesting, just this is something we've discussed with our kids recently, because growing up in Las Vegas, Stephen and I, this was normal. We didn't know anything different, but Mark, our kids have grown up on the east side of the country, and so we are having to talk about things that they've never dealt with a whole lot before. And um, one of the examples that I've used with my daughter is that we had friends in California who were, they're in their 70s or 80s, um, and they have quite a bit of money. Uh, he's a retired Air Force vet, and it was interesting because their idea of fun is to go down and play slots for with a particular amount of money. So they'd set aside an amount and say, we're going to spend this much money. Um, and they, they're very good at tithing. They were very generous with us. We were newlyweds. And when we, they found out we were moving um, from California to Arkansas, they gave us $300 just to make sure that we had enough cash to be safe. And the way I've discussed it with my daughter is, I personally would not feel comfortable for fun going out and spending $400 on slots that to me doesn't use the gifts that God has given us to sow um, for things like you could spend on Bible translation or donate to Ligonier or Johnny's Wheels for the World. But I'm also, I, I don't want to judge them because that is, they, they are being responsible as far as they're not overtaxing themselves. They've been very generous. Um, so, you know, we've discussed this whole, you know, Christian freedom thing of I'm not, it's, it is not my place to judge their motivations because I don't know their heart. Um, would I do it myself? No. But also, I'm trying to teach her how to extend liberty to others without, you know, taking it because of my personal conviction on something that God doesn't give a strict yes or no answer to. Well, look at all the, even the verses I presented, like, I, I would submit training your child would be pretty, ugh, have that removed. Pretty minimalistic to say, you know, God says this, honey, it's this, this. Look at all the labor you need to do as a mother training your child. All these verses about heart motives and what is the creation mandate. Much richer and fuller picture um, would serve her, serve her well. You can still answer these, but I'm going to go to my last slide still because I have a couple more. How can investing be a sin? In, in light of the things we've talked about, let's take it out of gambling, right? Let's rope in everything. How can investment, how can any kind of entertainment or leisure decision, right? Some of you drink some really expensive wine. I could say exactly what Brittany just said about your choice of wine or food or vacation, right? Why didn't you take that money instead of going to Rome, Pastor? Why didn't you give it to Legionnaires, right? You can ask that same kind of question. And so my hope is not that we say, therefore, gambling's okay, right? It, my hope is that we would approach all of life with these heavy questions. And yet, I, I feel like we're going on a Debbie Downer kind of Sunday. I still want to promote freedom, right? I, just, I want us to be free to, to love our neighbor and serve Christ fully. Uh, any answers to these? Here's my view on gambling. If one gambles with the expectation of winning, it's probably a sin. It's probably wrong. 
for the reasons you stated earlier. The only legitimacy, and that's a weak word with respect to gambling, is pure entertainment. But to do that as pure entertainment, one has to think of it like seeing a movie or a ball game. I'm going to cost me this much money to buy tickets and refreshments. Gambling's the same way. I'm going to use this much money to enjoy the activity, which I don't. I find it boring. But to enjoy the activity, and when it's gone, I'm done. That's my entertainment. So if you, were, if, you, if you examine yourself, and those around you have helped you examine, you don't feel driven by covetousness. You're dealing with amounts of money that aren't going to bankrupt anybody. Uh, and you can really see it as entertainment, just like I could say that the same amount of money I could go spend on a whole day playing golf or whatever, right? You would find that then legitimate. Right. Okay. Now, I add to that, the problem is people that I've known, friends even, who have a problem with gambling, there's an addiction, which I have a real hard time relating to because unlike substance abuse, there's no chemical to cause that addiction. They're generating their own addiction, their own chemicals that create the addiction. And I can't relate to that because I just get bored to it. It's, it's hard for me to recognize that in somebody else and they're right. drawn in by that. Right. If you have that weakness, you better stay away from it because yeah. you obviously can't set limits and rules. You can't entertain yourself. I remember something my grandfather told me when I was a little kid and the only time they would ever gamble was at 4th of July, family reunions, and out on Uncle Charlie's back porch. All the men folk were around a big round table, and they're playing poker while everybody else is doing something else. And my grandpa said, well, you play what you can play, and that's it. Where people get in trouble, and I never always remembered this, is if you're playing poker, and you're down, and all of a sudden you think you've got a good hand and you want to play some more, and you have to get up and go get some more money, that's how you end up losing a house or getting in trouble because you've exceeded your right. limits. So we saw there right there a good example of looking at yourself, looking at losing a house with immediate neighbors, but then also considering your neighbor who might have a weakness that you don't have. And not, it's not just, okay, this has got to be the last comment because we're over time. There are <clears throat> folks in the city who uh, work in the industry who were not Christians, but who have become Christians, working in the gambling industry, and that is their livelihood. So it's amazing how God reaches into those places with his word as well. Amen. I knew he was going to do it. Go for it. The dilemma, too, is that we've had people in the church that work, and I've heard this story from not just people that come to here at Spring Meadows, but other people in the industry, that because they have a high school diploma, there's no way they can replicate the same income. So it becomes a trap when you can make $100,000 as a crap stealer, but you can't take your skills and replicate that. So right. it's very difficult. Sorry, I never leave enough time for discussion. So I, I want to leave you with the scriptures. Um, I think I could see why we would have a variety of views here. In my own personal view, it is an area of liberty, but I, I carry liberty with a lot of responsibility. I think that's the right way and what Romans 14 gives us. So 
I want you to be free to love your neighbor, love God and love your neighbor in the way that God guides. But obviously we can't always trust ourselves, right? So careful examination for someone who's in the word, having a fellowship around you for those who will be honest with you if they have concerns, um, not pursuing your own desires when, when evidence is presented to you that maybe there's some harm. All those things are very important. We, I don't think we want to be a church that is seen as some pro-gambling or anti-gambling church. That's not our center. Um, we want to be able to take the gospel and take the Bible and try to apply this to real life. And then, again, take gambling off the table. Don't worry about that subject. I think all of us would be rightly challenged on how we spend our time and money. That's a big, big subject, right, that we can dive into through the weeks. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the salvation that is demanded by the, the curse from the fall. We thank you for the seed that has come. And we thank you that Jesus did not stay resting in heaven, that he came and worked uh, on our behalf in redemption. We pray that we would know what it means to carry out the creation mandate to work heartily and patiently and diligently with the motivation of cultivating this world, of making sure others, we don't become a burden to others, and that we might have to give to others in need. Open our eyes to those who are in need around us and, and guide us whatever specific path you call us to, uh, and which will be different for each of us. Pray that you would show us how we can love our neighbor, give to those in need, um, to demonstrate a belief in a sovereign God, not in some mysterious luck, but we believe in your guiding hand Help us to know when to take risks and to be courageous um, and, and to do what to the world would seem um, stupid and foolish because we know that your wisdom will be foolish to the world. Guide us in all these things. Uh, we look forward to singing with uh, our brothers and sisters and to hearing from your word. Uh, we ask you to bless us today and this week in Jesus' name. Amen.